Am I allowed to drink beer on the podcast? I guess. Yeah. That <laughs> was kind of meant as a joke, but... <laughs> about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I'm Jake number two. And uh, tonight we are drinking all kinds of random things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, T- taking a break from the straight bourbon for, or straight whiskey for once and going with some cocktails. Yeah, um... I've got a Manhattan, Dan's got a hot toddy, and Jake's drinking a beer, so. <laughs> I've got a beer because I just finished a scotch tasting and I'm trying to wipe my palate clean, but I also have uh, some Bakta that I was planning on drinking, oh, nice. some Armagnac. Shaking Fancy. it up a little bit. Yeah, something different. I've been on four full-time episodes now of Bourbon Matters, and we've only talked about bourbon on one of them. Yeah. Keeping the yeah, so. keeping the, <laughs> the record going. <laughs> just yeah. just so you know, Jake, early on, like we did like seven rise in a row. Yeah, I think true. it just pissed me <laughs> off, and I'm like, we're called Bourbon Matters, and all we're drinking is rye. <laughs> it's knuckleheads I got to work with. Hey, gotta gotta expand the palate and the selection. Yeah, that's what I said. Give all, give everyone a fair chance. <laughs> hey, so Dan, mm-hmm. you've got some news stories for us, right? Yeah, so the biggest one, and, and interesting, um, I sent it to you guys today as soon as I read it, Blue Run, which we did a while ago, um, it released the art- architectural sketches for their new distillery, which is a 35,000 square foot distillery and 20,000 square foot rickhouse that they're going to be building in Georgetown, Kentucky uh, for $50 million. Um and I sent it to you guys right away. Jake, you're you're weird, and so you know architecture really well. It is a very architectural designed building. It looks like a basically like a ribbon running through the the hills of Kentucky. Yeah. Um, Jake can talk a little bit more about the architecture too. But it looks so on the good side. On the good side, it doesn't look anything like any other distillery in Kentucky. Um, to me, the first thing I thought of when I saw the pictures of it is I feel like I'm going to go work for Apple if I went there. <clears throat> it's a very unique design. I thought about Google. Yeah, yeah. Like you think of, yeah. the, that was my first couple thoughts is like those big tech mm-hmm. companies. It doesn't look like a distillery. That's not necessarily no. a bad thing. It's very, it's a very beautiful building. Um, I'll have my opinions and I'm sure you can already tell which way I'm leaning, but, uh, what do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I think it's great cause they've been contract distilling with Castle and Key and Bardstown. So it sounds like they'll be doing their own stuff here now and aging their own stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the, the new blue run proposed building? I mean, I, th- I think it goes back to what we were talking about the other week with, uh, you know, gimmick whiskeys and doing something different to stand out. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're creating uh, a destination. They're creating somewhere where people want to travel to and go see and visit. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the industry goes in 10 to 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. But I think things like this are necessary to keep people engaged and keep people traveling to go to these distilleries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing something, something different to attract that. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. I, I would agree. Um, 
I I do think the building looks cool. Um, it's designed by uh, Bjark Ingels Group or BIG. Um, they're a, I think they're from Copenhagen, um, and they've done a lot of very interesting projects. Um, they're one of my favorite architecture firms, um, and they actually uh, Bjark Ingels is the the main arch- architect, uh, obviously. Uh, he actually wrote a book about his design philosophy in the form of a comic book, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy his work a lot. Um, but I, I think they're definitely trying to stand out, you know, in a, in a state full of barns and uh, <laughs> sheds and <laughs> horse stables. Uh, they're going for the, you know, tech sector, uh, you know, super contemporary kind of style. Um you know, which I, I think definitely gives them that destination type uh, experience um, that's going to draw people in. And then Dan hates Yeah, and it. it's hard to tell from the renderings, but it looks like the roof might even be all solar panels. Um, just from, I mean, they're all just big square chunks up there. I, like, I'm trying to put myself in shoes of this is probably what people thought of Castle and Key back when Castle and Key was was built, right? Something that was a that's actually a pretty good comparison. Yeah. Um, I know it was. I thought of it, Jake. God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Actually, it wasn't that great. But... <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, that's um, definitely what they're doing. I it's I don't want every distiller to look the same. I mean, when we did no. the tours uh, last year, like they're all a lot of them are very similar. I don't think they need to look the same. I want, I don't know, like, like the most high tech one we went to when we were down there was Bardstown, which I think is a beautiful distillery. It's definitely more of a modern take on a distillery, but it still feels like a distillery. Um, this feels more like, well, well, one of the owners of Blue Run is a big Facebook guy, isn't he? Yeah, he was a tech guy. I thought. I'm pretty sure it was Facebook. So I'm, I'm sure that he's probably bringing some of his influence from the from the new age tech world over to this too. Yeah. I, it's not that I, I don't, I don't think it's an ugly building at all. I think it's a beautiful piece of architecture. It's just not traditional. It's, it's not, not traditional. You don't, think of, you don't think of a distillery, you don't think of bourbon when you see that. When you think of bourbon, you think old history, mm-hmm. um, you know, historic grounds. Uh, like you said, the barns and the, the rick houses built in the early 1900s. Um, but every every day, every week, we hear about a new distillery opening up. And I think this is a move in the right direction to do something different mm-hmm. and kind of stand out amongst all the newer distilleries. Because places like Buffalo Trace, places like Green River, uh, they're going to attract people because they have the history and they've been around and they were one of the pioneers in the bourbon world down in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're starting a distillery now, you really, really need to do something different, not only with your product, but with the distillery yeah. to keep guests coming and keep people yeah, interested. And you, there's already so much established history with brands like Buffalo Trace and the resurrected brands like James Pepper and Green River. Um, so like these real, like true startups, I think do need to start differentiating and like, I, I think this is like you said, a good step in, in that direction. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see too. Cause I don't know, I guess I don't know for sure, but I don't think that they're as of yet producing their own juice. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I don't um, think they are. At least not at that, 
at that distillery. They're they probably well they are at Bardstown Bourbon Company and other contract distilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, on the good side, expected to open in 2025. So that's not too that, far away. I don't know. When I look at that building and I think of 2025, I, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> but maybe that's well, I'm used to Illinois contracting. Yeah. Well, the other thing, obviously, bourbon has to age and you have to wait to start yeah. making some money. So creating a distillery like that and opening up with a nice restaurant and making it a destination helps uh-huh. you get some cash flow yeah. early on. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It was it just caught my eye because as soon as I saw the building, I'm like, this is something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, it looks like a Google or a tech startup or something like that. It does not look like a distillery, let alone a Kentucky if, distillery. If there is a Zen sand garden in there, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there right away. Like if there's some old Asian guy raking sand every day, I'm not going. <laughs> It reminds me of the show Silicon Valley. Sorry. Um, so I guess that was the first one. This, uh, this next one came out. Uh, information came out about a week or two ago. Um, and interesting to talk about. I have never been a big fan of Jack Daniels uh, until Jack Bonded came out. Um, and now they have sometime this year, Jack Daniels 12 year is coming out. Um, I guess. And I've, I've never been too big on a Jack Daniels, so I haven't followed the distillery too much in terms of, like for me, it was always Jack Daniels, Gentleman Jack, um, and then like the Sinatra or the Maple Finish or things like that. But it's what, a couple, not too long ago, they released in the U.S. the Bonded and the Triple Mash, and then mm-hmm. the 10-year and the 12-year. It seems like, to me, it seems like they're doing a lot more things, trying to stay with some of the higher end whiskey trends these days. And if it's going along like their bonded did, it's probably gonna be a pretty good whiskey because we were all pretty big fans of the Jack bonded and whiskey advocate gave it whiskey of the year. Um, but a 12 year old Jack Daniels at 107 proof sounds pretty, pretty appealing to me. Yeah. That that's uh, one of the top things I'm going to be looking for this year. Um, I'm glad that it's going to be a bit higher proof. Um, I was a little worried it was going to be like 94 and kind of lose some of the character of that age, but um, that's good to hear. Because wasn't the 10-year like a 96 proof? It was. Give me a second. I thought it was around 96 or around 100, but I so I used to be the same way. I used to be a hater. I, I don't know if not a hater, but just like not a fan of Jack Daniels, but some of their stuff recently, like the 10 year last year, I thought was really good. Um, the, uh, the barrel strength, single barrels, Mm -hmm. you can get some really good barrel strength, single barrels. I don't know if you guys saw the blind tasting that I did a couple weeks ago down in Kentucky for the adventures bourbon society. Um, but our Jack Daniels single barrel pick beat stag 18. Wow. Yeah. Both the same proof, um, completely blind, and it was like 18 votes to 15 oh, wow. uh, for the record, Dan. <laughs> so so an actual an actual close vote. That was actually close. <laughs> it was close, but yes, uh, you know, looking if you if you didn't know the end result, you probably would have thought the stag would have destroyed the Jack Daniels. But uh, some of those single barrels are really good and don't taste like 
Jack at all. That's a, that's the thing with Jack is the regular Black Label number seven does not taste like the bonded. It doesn't taste like the tenure. It doesn't taste like some really good single barrels. Yeah, and it I like to see that stuff coming out of Jack um, because like it was when we did bonded the first. I was not looking forward to that episode because I just have the bad. Uh, I think my parents still might listen. So I had bad after college memories of Jack Daniels old number seven. I did not drink it in college cause I was good. Um, and I, I think that sticks with a lot of people. And then when I tried bonded, it's, I, I don't think it was whiskey of the year by any means, but I thought it was a, probably the most surprising bourbon to me or whiskey for, to me, um, on the year because I had very low expectations coming in and it's one that I keep on the shelf now. Yeah. Oh, that was my favorite thing we tried last year. Wow. It surprised me. I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah it'll, I liked, I hope, hopefully Jack keeps on doing some of these older releases like this too. Cause well, even I never tried, I think it was hard to find that Coy Hill release they had last year. That single barrel Coy Hill was supposed to be pretty high end. I tried a few of those though, and uh, while it doesn't taste like Jack Daniels, and I did think that they were good, uh, I do think a good single barrel will dominate the Koi Hill because the few I tried two batches of Koi Hill, and I like high proof. I'm a high proof drinker, but I just got heat. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see how like some of these older releases wouldn't be like commonplace in the next few years considering how many warehouses jack daniels has and right they're constantly building more um so it would be awesome if they had like 10 years just out on the shelf like year round that would be awesome yeah uh i mean yeah that's probably the goal from them and yeah i don't see why it's not attainable in the next three four years because of how much whiskey they put out but yeah yeah. Last little story. Jake probably hates this one. I'm a bigger fan of this with working at a distillery, but there is a push going on through Illinois legislation right now. And hopefully Illinois does something good for once where distilleries like, so right now wineries can ship direct to consumer throughout the state of Illinois and throughout the majority of the, of the States. Um, we're trying to, or Illinois legislation is out trying to have distilleries being able to sell, and be able to ship direct to consumer as well too, which obviously bypasses Gold Eagle Liquor Store, uh, but especially for a lot of these smaller distilleries uh, that are having some releases where people aren't local and there's like some of the small crap distilleries, their releases aren't that big. And unless you go to that distillery that day that they release it, you're not going to be able to have a shot at getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this helps uh, grow the brand quite a bit. Uh, so hopefully we can do something good here. So I'm actually indifferent on this one uh, because obviously that's going to take away sales from us because the limited releases distilleries will probably just sell on their own and go online, buy it, and they'll ship it out. Um, But I do think that it's a right step for the state in terms of loosening the liquor laws and shipping laws. Um, We're really trying to get going with shipping and uh, it's it's like a it, it, it's a headache trying to figure out where we can and can't ship to, how to ship. Um, there's so many laws that were written right after prohibition that just haven't changed. And I think as we start to adjust 
laws here and there and different regulations, uh, it'll open people's eyes to more laws that need to be changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, so, yeah, I'm kinda... it's been that way for whiskey and beer forever. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, well, after the crash and the, the industry crash in the 60s, I mean, until the last decade or so has spirits been really up and coming and growing big and whiskey has been kind of the motivating factor in all this, but yeah, it's a lot of the laws have been the same since, since the 1930s. So it'd be nice to see some things right. change. Yeah. Um, give some people some more access to it as well too. So, but I don't know this, I, I, this one, I don't see the state passing through. I think it's the just because road. They they love their three tier system. Mm-hmm. That's how they make sure they get all their tax money. <laughs> um, and I don't see them breaking out of that three tier system anytime soon. At least not until more states adopt that and uh, maybe like a nationwide shift occurs. Yeah. See, here's my arguing factor of why Illinois should do this. Is I also read an article today, not related related to whiskey at all, but all six states that touch the state of Illinois over the last two years have lowered their income tax and Illinois hasn't just people trying to draw everything out of Illinois from yeah. all sides. Like let us at least ship whiskey <laughs> direct to consumer in the state. Give us, give us one thing, Illinois. Yeah. But I, like, that's gonna, that's kind of contradicting because residents of Illinois they're they want obviously their income tax to get lowered. And if distilleries can ship directly, that's going to take away from tax dollars. I'm sure Illinois is probably going to be harder to track. I, I'm sure Illinois has got a tax of, you got to keep, I'm sure there is something of a, you got to have a shipping log and then they tax you more to ship than what they would sell. in. State. Maybe, well, maybe they yeah. lose all the distribution taxes that they currently take from those craft distilleries. I'm sure that's a sticking point too. Well, so here's the thing is this would be uh, uh, self-distribution. So right. from what which, I, which the, the state taxes the distillery where normally if Whiskey Acres was selling stuff to Gold Eagle and the distributor was taking it, the distributor covers the tax. Yeah, but you also have to think about these distributors have a lot of power when it comes to changing these laws and regulations and they know if if that's like just a gateway into the the collapse of the distributor and believe me i'm not a fan of the distributors like (laughs) that's just someone taking a piece of the pie um between the distilleries and the stores uh so what if we did like just everyone self-distributes ship it directly to us via ups fedex whatever um that i think would be a more a more uh, end goal where we all win, except for the st- distributors, of course. But they're kind of just like, you know, taking a little cut. Yeah. Where or even like, don't really need to be, um, like non-mandated distribution, so that if somebody can't take it on themselves, they can still use a distributor. But it's not like a legal requirement where you're like forced to to use it. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you actually don't have to, but if you, it's there's a certain amount uh, of liters if you produce on a year, then you have right, to yeah. go yeah. with a distributor. So there, yeah, there's a couple different licenses that you're allowed. I'm I'm starting to learn through all this stuff now. There's a few different licenses, and if you have like we have the Whiskey Acres has the right to self distribute, but only to a certain amount of bottles every year. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then if you distribute more than that by self, or like if you're planning on distributing more than that by yourself, then you can't. 
Um, but I mean, that's, that's why a lot of these craft distilleries like you to come to their place, see their place and buy their whiskey there because that's self-distribution. Right. Yep. So, but I guess those are kind of the main stories and things to touch on, on now. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about what we're drinking. Yeah. Dan, you Who wants to go first? Off? Well, I, I, I went last last time, so I'll go first because yeah. mine's almost we're, we're getting to the end um it's a fancy one yeah i have been under the weather this week uh especially today so when we said we were going to do uh cocktails i was pretty happy because i went with a cocktail that is also sometimes considered medicinal by drunks uh this is a hot toddy so for those of you who don't know what a hot toddy is it's basically hot water honey tea and an ounce of half of bourbon and then uh uh, I'm sorry, not, not tea, I'm sorry, honey and lemon juice. And then a little lemon wedge, and I put a nice little cinnamon stick in there for some more flavor. Um, I made mine with 1776 bourbon. Uh, it was one of my top five findable whiskeys uh, that I, we did a long time ago. Uh, the reason I went with 1776 is not only do I really like it, but if you follow their heritage back to when they were a distiller in the 1770s, they actually survived prohibition as being one of the few distilleries that had a medicinal whiskey license to sell. So going with a complete medicinal drink to make me feel better. Mentally, I'm feeling way better. Uh, I don't know if there's been any physical changes since I've been drinking this. Uh, but you know what? Everything's about your mental health these days anyway. So mm-hmm. hot toddies are good. Uh, it's getting to the point where it's not really seasoned. Uh, these are great cold night drinks especially cold rainy nights, which we're kind of having right now, uh, tonight. Um, it's the lemon. If, if you're not a big fan of whiskey, the lemon and the honey really cut through. I mean, you have a lot of sweetener in here basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see why you said tea. Cause it just kind of tastes like a tea. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's basically at a certain point, it looks like a tea. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it almost kind of looks like a long Island color. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a nice, simple, easy. It's one of those two of, I, I don't know the history of, I mean, people always say lemon helps sore throats or honey helps with things, but I, I think it's more of a, just an easy to drink, warm, soothing. It almost tastes like a, like those, some of those uh, throat drops. Um, it just kind of has a nice warming feeling in the throat and helps shut up, shut up, shut up. Uh, just helps you feel a little better. So I don't want that tonight. I'm glad I went with it. It's something I don't drink a ton, but I've had a few of them in my life and uh, they're just simple to make. Cause it's, again, it's a lot of stuff we have laying around the house. It's honey, it's lemon, it's whiskey and water. So you can't, can't really have to struggle too hard to find the ingredients. Yeah. For them. It's pretty forgiving in like your proportions, right? Yeah. I mean, it's usually, they said that the, the traditional is ounce and a half of whiskey, six ounces of water. And then, couple of teaspoons of, of, uh, honey and lemon, but it's, uh, the whiskey itself doesn't really kick cut through it at all. I mean, yeah. you can tell that there's alcohol in there. You can tell it's whiskey if you know pretty well, but it's light, easy drinking and it's very soothing and makes me feel like I'm doing my body healthy. Yeah. Good for you, Dan. I know. I'm glad you think that you're healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey. It was medicinal at one point, all right? (laughs) Medicine is never wrong. Yeah. What are you guys drinking? 
Sure. Um, so I'm drinking uh, actually some brandy. Uh, Bakta 2707. It's uh, 10% uh, Armagnac, 90% Calvados, finished in a Isla whiskey barrel. Um, I just did a scotch tasting before this, so I kind of have that peaty flavor already in my mouth. And uh, this was like kind of a just a mellow like armagnac is a go-to for me at the end of the night when i just want something a little bit lighter a little bit sweeter um but still has the complexity that uh, a fine aged bourbon would have um so yeah this is and you you guys have had bakta before mm-hmm. right is mm-hmm. that's just, is that one of the really old ones or is that one of their normal releases no this is this is like the flagship um so it's called 2707 because it was supposed to be a blend of seven year and 27 year uh but they kind of screwed up the blend and whoever was blending it accidentally put in like some 49 year uh with like some 17 year and the story is that it would have cost them more to relabel everything, rebottle everything, than just keep it as mm-hmm. 2707. Uh, so you're getting a premium product, and it's one blend that was created and never will be recreated. Um, but it's finished in eyelid casks for two weeks, which just gives it like a nice little kiss of peat, little kiss of smoke. And I do like Isla Scotch. So I'm saying you guys had an Isla Scotch tasting last night, correct? We did, yeah. Kilhoman. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jake was there. Yeah, it was uh, one of the. It was it was shorter, but we tried uh, seven like really really good and very different expressions from Kilhoman and their farm to bottle distillery. So that was cool to kind of you know see just growing the barley and doing everything by hand. And they're much smaller compared to Ardbeg, Lafroig, and the bigger outlet distilleries that we know. Dan, you probably would have liked it just being whiskey acres, yeah. farm to bottle. The master distiller is a big fan of them. Um, there's a mm-hmm. couple farm distilleries over in, in uh, Scotland and Ireland that he's a really big fan of. He was hoping to make it, but his schedule didn't work out. But uh, uh, no, I, I, cause I, he, he still, he, he's like, I still got to make it up to their store because uh-huh. he's bought stuff on your app and either me or uh, yeah. Julia picked it up. He's like, I got to make it up there. And I'm like, like you should go up there for the tasting. Like it's, it's a distiller yeah. you'd like. Um, right. But yeah, he still doesn't have your, he just still doesn't follow you on Instagram. So I have to take mm. screenshots of your Instagram posts and then text them to him. Why like, not? I don't know. I don't. There's no reason not to. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, That's like when people say, I don't download your app. It's like, why not? I don't, I don't have your app. I bought online the last time. Is it really going to like, cause you that much extra storage on your phone <laughs> that you can't have our app downloaded that might be one of the things apple uses to bog down your phone so you have to get a new phone every year it just <laughs> yeah. could be one of those things. No, no. <laughs> our app is not one of those <laughs> <laughs> with uh so with bakta I, he, raj bakta has been at the store before um mm-hmm. they're also got their whiskey stuff coming out soon don't they or is that still a few years out they do no they do they just released some um and we haven't gotten it yet but i think it will probably arrive very soon um but we also have a a barrel pick of the one of the barrels that they blended to create their 2013 bourbon um i was there back in november or october of last year um so i tasted through those barrels and we we picked up uh, just like 60 bottles of one of the barrels that I really liked. Mm. Um, and then they blended all those 2013 barrels and 
finished them in Armagnac, and then that's their 2013 bourbon. Nice. Which the cool thing about Bacta is they're all about vintages as opposed to age statements, um, which I think is very cool. And I he, he believes it's the future because um, you're comparing, you know, who was the distiller at the time, uh, what kind of grains they used uh, versus how long it aged and uh, where it aged. So it's kind of like a different take on bourbon. Yeah. We're, we're big fans of that because uh, at Whiskey Acres, they've done that for a long time. And a lot of their stuff, they put the, the on the tax stamp, it has the year that it was uh, grown and distilled. So we're hoping he yeah. spends a ton of money on marketing on that and creates the market for that. And they're like, hey, we've been doing this forever. Kind of the Samsung approach and let someone else create the industry. And we'll just be like, hey, we have this too. And yeah. And I, I think it makes sense because if you, if 20 years from now, if you pick up a five year whiskey acres and you compare it to another five year whiskey acres, what's the difference? But if they do have the distilled date on them, um, you can kind of see like how it differentiates between distilling in 2005 versus distilling in 2010. Right. Cause we know the, the corn and the grains and everything that's in that process and the, the wood and what type of oak you're, or, you know, what type of barrels you're getting at the time can uh, alter the taste profile. Right. So it's, I mean, it makes, it's, it's 100% true because great wine has the big vintage year. Uh, it was right. the growing season was like this. And the growing season completely changed the flavor profile of the grape. It goes for every single crop that grows in the ground. It does. Mm-hmm. It's not the exact same every year. It has it has changes year to year based off of the protein strains and, and everything and the starch in it. So um, it it is. It's I, that's one thing that'll probably be on a, on the next gimmick ep- episode we do is vintages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's it it's uh, definitely has truth behind it too. So. Jake, Jake, what are you drinking? A fancy Manhattan there? Yeah, so I'm. I made a Manhattan. Um, I'm actually using the 1776 barrel proof rye because uh, I wanted a little bit of a kick, um, and then I overcompensated with the vermouth. So <laughs> it's a little sweet, um, but it's very. It's, it is still very tasty. Um, typical Manhattan recipe is two ounces of rye, three quarter ounce of vermouth and a few dashes of bitters. Um, it's super easy to make. Um, you know, all you really need is a bottle of, uh, vermouth. Typically it's the sweet red vermouth. Um, but you, I, I don't see why you couldn't make it with dry. Um, it's going to definitely alter the flavor profile. Um, but cause the, the sweet vermouth usually is like your sugar uh, component. Um, to kind of counteract all that rye spice and and uh, alcohol, you know, taste. So um, this one, I I did an ounce of uh, the sweet vermouth, um, which I think is overtaking it a little bit, um, but it still came out pretty good. Um, I was just worried because it was barrel proof rye that the the rye was just going to blow everything else out of the water, but. <laughs> You get you uh you a uh, cherry guy in there too then or no? Yeah, I got my uh, Luxardo cherry in there on a fancy little stem. So. And a little skewer, <laughs> little sword. I so I've never been a big fan of Manhattans, and it's one that I can't get into. And it's it's boiled down to I I just don't like vermouth. Um, mm-hmm. any cocktail. Do you like wine? I. 
Jake, I drink wine because I'm an equal opportunity drunk. Uh, and I have, I have a dozen <laughs> bottles here, but it's like the only time I drink wine is when I have people coming over and they want to drink wine with dinner and then I'll drink wine at that point. Yeah, um, that makes sense. There's if I, if I drink wine, I'd rather have red than white and, uh, the rosé and Prosecco and all that stuff is, is a no-go for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I, it's like, I don't like vermouth. I, I don't like uh, Manhattans. I don't like a lot of martinis. Um, so I, I think it just boils down to the vermouth flavor. Which stems from wine. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big cocktail fan and just cocktails in general, I find most of the time I'm disappointed when I'm out at a restaurant or a bar, even like a fancy steakhouse or whatever. Um, most of the time when I order a cocktail, I just I'm let down and I feel like I've perfected my old fashioned recipe, mm-hmm. my Manhattan recipe. Um, so most of the time when I'm out, like I just I taste like synthetic or it's just watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very few people places where I'll I'll order a cocktail and be satisfied with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing worse than ordering an old fashioned and it comes with crushed ice. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And like typically now the average price for a cocktail is about 15, 20 bucks. And if I'm going to pay that, like I want a good, well-made cocktail. And uh, so I was, I was down in Kentucky two weeks ago and we were at Willet and we had dinner and drinks at the Willet bar and they have a list of, probably over a hundred different Willet neat pours that you can order. Uh, and they're not cheap. Like you're going to pay 50 to 70 bucks for one of their cheapest pours, uh, out of like the purple top or green top bottles. And, uh, we, our whole table did cocktails the whole time and their cocktails are very reasonably priced compared to like what you'll get here at a fancy restaurant. Um, and they were very well-made cocktails and, I think everyone at the table, we kind of had this conversation, like it's very hard to find a, a good, well-made cocktail where the, the whiskey shines through mm-hmm. more than the other ingredients. And so that's kind of why we decided like, we're just going to have a cocktail night and enjoy these cocktails while, I mean, everything was perfect. All their cocktails were perfect. Nice. Um, so I, yeah, I don't really, I think one of the toughest ones <clears throat> to really find one that you're happy with is an old fashioned because they're, everyone has their old own variation of an old fashioned. Um, and then you go up to Wisconsin supper club and have an old fashioned. That's not, Oh, old, that's a whole nother yeah. story. That's, that's yeah. not old fashioned. They shouldn't um, be allowed to come. No. Like that. No. <laughs> uh-uh. But like, I was just thinking I, when we were down in Kentucky last year, there was one, I, I had a couple different old fashions and a couple of them at distilleries. And there was one that really stuck out which was the one at James Pepper. Yeah. Which probably part of it's because that's the history of the story is that that was created for James Pepper by a local guy. And then he took it to the Waldorf in New York and that's where he had it. Um, But that was probably the most simple, basic, and it was lemon uh, peel, not orange peel in it, which is the way the original one was crafted. That one, the whiskey probably shined out the most. We had one at Bardstown, which was good. That but was they a had like, special one. That was like a peanut butter old fashioned or something like no, that. No, it was they do like their big thing is they have infused bitters. Yeah. Um, or like barrel aged bitters and things like that. And it was good, but in terms of like 
I, th- I think we all agreed that the best old fashioned and was the simple. It was just the original Waldorf Astoria uh, recipe for an old fashioned, and that was at Pepper. And it was the whiskey was great in it. It stood out, but it wasn't overpowering. But I, I feel like there's no cherries in it, which I'm a fan of. Um, I felt like that was probably the one of the few times where I've had an old fashioned that I've been very pleased with it. Otherwise, there's so many different takes on an old fashioned these days, especially in the Chicago land market. Yeah. We got to make sure that everyone's happy and everyone's got to have their own hipster vibe to it. Uh, just give me a goddamn old fashioned. That's the thing, the the hipster vibe. Come on, there's there's one way to make it. Just make it the right way. Don't try to put your own spin yeah. on it. Like. It, you should be tasting the whiskey first and it should get better as the ice melts and kind of cools it down a little bit. Um, but there, yeah, there's nothing worse than getting a, getting a drink with crushed ice and just having it taste watered down already yeah. before you taste your, your yeah. first. Sip. Well, actually, so 10 years ago, probably while I was in college, um, I went to this, uh, restaurant called, uh, I think it was Mindy's hot chocolate in Bucktown. And the it was known for like hot chocolate and like breakfast food, I think. Um, but we went there for uh, like a cocktail um, with my buddy Kevin, and uh, they had an old fashioned on the menu. But instead of sugar, they used like a white dessert wine, and it was fantastic. Um, so I actually recreated it uh, last year. Uh, with Jenna and I had some friends over and I nailed it and it was awesome. Damn. Um, that sounds good. I've never, never would have thought about that. Yeah, It's it's like, I, I always use maple syrup. Oh, okay. That's, that would be good. Real too. maple syrup instead of simple <clears throat> syrup. I, I made my own maple simple syrup um, from maple mm. sugar and that actually turned out fantastic Ooh. too. Um, Cause it got a little that bit of like delicious. smoke in it too. That, that was pretty damn good too. Um, Jake, next time you should make it with some maple syrup that's been barrel aged in whiskey acre barrels. <laughs> Ooh, that would be good. Do you guys sell that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's cool because gift shop only or gift shop only. I can get you some. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. Uh, get us some. It's it, the it's we make the whiskey, and then this maple syrup company takes the barrels, and then ages their syrup in the barrels, and then we buy the barrels back. And then that's what our maple cask finish, maple syrup finish uh, whiskey is. is Gotcha. So they come back in and we finish them. So it's kind of a nice little life cycle that that barrel has. And then by that point, it's Mm -hmm. not usable after that. Yeah. So Well, I'm going to take the opportunity that we're talking about cocktails to plug my YouTube uh, cocktail recipes. Uh, I've got Old Fashioned and Manhattan on YouTube. You can check those out. Um, They're like you know, extremely simple recipes. Um, you can make it in like under two minutes for either one. Um, and they're both, I think just three ingredients each. So like no one should have a problem making a a decent one. Yeah. And like Jake said, or it's, they're easy to make and then you can play around with them a lot at your own home. And then that's the problem is you play around with it enough to find it the exact way you like it. And then most places, most places out there aren't going to recreate it the exact same way you like it. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's no. hard to find good that's cocktails like, out in the For wild. me, the, um, a lot of times they overdo the simple syrup in old fashions when you go out. Um, 
So like I I prefer to like typically cut the simple syrup in half for whatever's called out in the recipe. Um, or I'll use something that's barrel proof or, or higher proof to kind of cut. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of times I feel like they're just they're not using the right whiskey as the base. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like to use higher proof because mm-hmm. I like I like the first taste to be like, oh, I need to let that ice kind of settle in and open it up a little like, bit more. At least a bottle. Um, but yeah, blend. like, yeah, at least 100 proof. But the uh, the simple syrup makes a big difference, too. Like you can tell when it's a synthetic, you yeah. know, non not a good quality simple syrup, which is why I like to stick to pure maple mm-hmm. syrup. Yeah, so uh, I was actually in uh, the Phoenix area last weekend visiting my buddy Kevin again from the last sort of story. <laughs> um, so uh, we he took me to this bar that's uh, called Grand Central, and it's actually three different bars inside one building. Um, one of them is like a Louisiana-style prohibition kind of thing. Um which I can't remember the name of that one. Um, but then they have one that's like a pirate ship called Undertow. That's like uh, like Tiki Bar type of theme. Uh, but the one that we went to is called Platform 18, which looks like a train car. And it's all mm-hmm. like uh, like 30s Prohibition era style cocktails. Um, so I got an old pal there, uh, which actually used Elijah Craig Rye. Um, I think it was Sweet Vermouth and Campari, and it was phenomenally good. Um, so I think I'm going to do a recipe on that coming out soon. Um, and then he took me to a bar called Second Story in Scottsdale, uh, where I got some like real Sazeracs that were also phenomenal. Mm. So I think I'm going to do another another video on the Sazerac too, because it's it's so good. <laughs> that's uh, yeah that's another cocktail that's like hard to nail down but when you get it right like it's really good they they did it uh where they there was no ice they just froze the glass so that was like perfect because that's that one i had a that's one where if you water down the sazerac i feel like it ruins it Mm -hmm. so that's a good way i had that exact thing at willet okay that's how they served it there. The glass was cold. You could tell the, the cocktail was shaken over ice and then pour it right yeah. in. Yeah, that's the way to do it. So, yeah, look for those two videos coming out soon. Uh, you can find it on the YouTube channel, which we'll plug momentarily. <laughs> nice. And so just to piggyback off of what we're talking about, uh, tonight for the first time I tried a Isla Whiskey Old Fashioned. Oh, nice. Which, I don't know, like what, like when you think of that, do you think it's going to be good or not? Uh, what did you use as a base? The Kilholman Gold Eagle see, cask. That one, I, so, I could see that being pretty, pretty decent. Yeah, like it wasn't, it's not too offensive. It's not too iodine-y. Yeah. Um, you taste the barley, you taste the honey, and then uh, it's got a little bit of peat smoke. But to me, it tasted like if you were to use bourbon and then put it in a smoker. Mm-hmm. And do like a smoked mm-hmm. old fashioned. Yeah. But it was it was good. It was surprisingly really that good. Was the 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 smoke profile on the Kilhoman was um very much like 
uh, I think the uh, they they mentioned like campfire, um, but I got a lot of like wood pellet smoke. Like, it's yeah, not that like mm-hmm. uh, like meat and like medicinal, medicinal iodine kind of yeah. stuff that like a lot of the other uh, Isla whiskeys carry. Um, so I actually enjoyed those a lot. I, I could see that being a really good old fashioned. Yeah, I would have to try. I'm still I I've gotten more and more into single malts, but the peat I'm still struggling with. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't like peat, you probably wouldn't like it because you can still taste that peat. Yeah, I, mean, I, I'm not I, I will fan, say like I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I think I think the kill home is a good is, is like the perfect gateway into Isla Scotch. There's other brands that aren't Isla that you can taste and kind of get a feel for, like that sea spray and peatiness. Like Talisker, I think, is a really good yeah, intro good to peaty scotch. Um, but the Kilhoman was a lot more on the mild side compared to like your Laphroaig and Ardbegs. Nice. All right. Well, I guess uh, we might as well finish with, with the plugs that Jake just teased not too long ago. <laughs> Before we get into our stuff, Jake, the Gold Eagle uh, app, the Gold Eagle socials, where can they find Gold Eagle stuff at? Download our app on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store, uh, goldeaglewine.com, Facebook, uh, Gold Eagle Spirits, Instagram, Gold Eagle Wine. Um, Yeah, that's, that's our main our main tools to track everything. And if you go to our website at goldeaglewine.com, you can see our entire inventory, purchase things online, and then we hold it forever until you can make it in and pick it up. Or send Jake. Hopefully in. we'll start. Or send Jake. In send someone it. in. <laughs> yeah. Send some, send Jake in, or uh, hopefully we'll start shipping soon. As soon as we can figure out all these damn shipping laws and regulations and BS that goes on <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. And there's some killer events coming up too. So be sure to look. There is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm mad. I'm not in the area anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we got a couch up here in the office. I'm in a crash here. (laughs) I'm sure Jake has a spare bedroom or couch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, you can find bourbon matters at bourbon matters on Instagram. Search for us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Bourbon Matters. Uh, like I said, we have cocktail videos, um, which I have been uh, really uh, lagging on. So I'm going to get back on that. Um, but uh, you can also watch all the episodes. And then coming out soon, uh, we'll also be uh, releasing recorded uh, masterclass events at, from Gold Eagle. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. The videos will be on a Gold Eagle Masterclass channel, and then uh, we'll post the audio on the Bourbon Matters uh, podcast feed. Um, so if you want to listen to those, um, you know, I, I don't think there's been one yet that hasn't been full of all kinds of cool stories from the reps or or uh, you know whoever's presenting. Uh, so those are those are great to listen to. And a lot of a lot of inside information, um, just from like an insider perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, someone who's involved with that brand every day picks up a lot of different uh, tidbits than someone who is an outsider looking in. Well, Jake, you better figure out your shipping so I can get a bottle of ship to me and then listen to it and then catch up on the class that I missed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Well, it was nice to take a break from drinking straight whiskey for once and trying some some u- new unique cocktails. Um, but uh, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>